Hello and welcome back to another episode of LMS Cast. My name is Chris Badgett, and today we have a special guest, Sean James from Pintester University. And we're going to get into web security, personal security, and how that relates to your online course platform. But before we get into that, Sean, I just wanted to thank you for coming on the show. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about your story because you're a cybersecurity expert. So can you kind of tell us the about your journey, like where you came from, how you got into cybersecurity, sure. and how you got all the way into um, teaching others about cybersecurity? And for those of you listening, PIN tester stands for penetration testing. And uh, But I guess first tell us what that is and then tell us the story from the beginning. Okay, so penetration testing is really just uh, companies trying to hire uh, an ethical hacker to find the holes that the bad guys would use to get in, break in, steal customer information, business, you know, critical information, stuff like that. So um, that's really all it is. And cybersecurity kind of overwraps that, if you will, uh, to include many things like network security and uh, defensive and offensive security and things like that. Very cool. Very cool. Well, how did you how did you get into this world of, of cybersecurity? What's your story? So it's actually a really long story. So I'll try to keep it short. Um, I actually started when I was a kid. So my parents used to get super mad at me when I pick up the touchtone telephone, start dialing pound codes and star codes, writing them into a notebook and figuring out what they did and all the messages. And the phone company would actually call my house and ask what the heck we were doing. Um, so when I got old enough to ride my bike down the street, I used to go to a payphone and do it. <laughs> so I've been doing this stuff since I was a little guy. Um, but, but what really got me interested in is the love of technology and the fact of being able to legally break into systems and figure out security holes. Uh, and it's kind of like a puzzle. So to me, it, it just made sense that that's what I had to do in my life. So I didn't always, I wasn't always a penetration tester. I went to school. I learned a different trade. I learned automotive. Uh, at the same time, after high school, I learned, um, you know, networking and computers and security and stuff like that to get really like in depth with it, get my certifications and so on. So I always had a, like a backup career, uh, hurt my back working on cars early out. So I just said that, you know, the heck with this. And I went on to, you know, start work for other companies and eventually started my own company and they started subcontracting me and then eventually I cut out the middleman and went right after the big fish myself. So um, that's really how I got started in that. And, you know, after you do something for a really long time, you kind of look for another challenge. So what I did was I created a YouTube channel that now has like 35,000 subscribers and I started teaching for free. And um, that was pretty cool. I got really good feedback from that. So I decided to start an online school and actually teach people how to do it because the biggest problem is school is not affordable. It's just not. I spent 16,000 bucks for six months of school for network security. So a lot of courses are 5,000 bucks and some are free, but I live by the old adage, you get what you pay for. So I decided to start my own affordable school and here we are. That's awesome. That's awesome. And one of the things I want to highlight, it's not really the topic of this show, but um, the fact that you were already kind of creating content and you found that you had community on YouTube, <clears throat> that's an awesome way to go about it because a lot of people kind of start with the tools and they don't have any content yet. They don't have the community. They don't have any right. traction or momentum. So I, I just want to, uh, commend you on your on your uh, starting Thanks. point there. So that's cool. cool. Thank you. Um, well, when I think of you know ethical hacking and you know getting hired to do that and the the economy around that, I mean I think about banks, 
you know, wanting to protect their stuff or, right. but like, what is, who else should be concerned? Anybody that's online, really. I mean, if you have a computer connected to the internet at some point, you're vulnerable. That's just the way that the world works. That's the, that's the internet for you. If you want to be 110% secure, unplug from the internet, stop using it. <laughs> really, right. that's, that's what we tell people. So, um, but everybody really has to worry about that and specifically online course creators. So, you know, a lot of times you're collecting customer information, student information, things like that. You want to make sure that that stuff is secure. You don't want to have it, you know, vulnerable. Uh, like the Amazon and credit card companies get hacked all the time and banks and other businesses. And that's just what it is. That's the nature of the beast. So everybody has to worry about it really. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what, like for someone who's like, this is kind of like new information to them. Like what areas do you focus on to inc- for the course creation platform to have increased security? Like, is it just e-commerce related? Is it, logging into the back end of WordPress or where, where do we need to be concerned? It's, it's really almost everywhere. I know it's a terrible answer, but it's, it's everywhere. So even if you had a static website, right, that you're posting some information on, uh, for instance, if I was an attacker and you had like a popular website for whatever niche it was or whatever it was, even just a static page, if I were to be able to break into the back end of the FTP server and upload or change your files to include a payload inside of the website, You'll never see it. I'll never modify the text of your website. It looks like a normal website. However, when users go to visit there, I can steal their cookie information, which is used for logins. I can steal information from them. I could take over their computer and use it to attack other computers. So it's really important to have, you know, even website security on basic, very basic static HTML websites. Absolutely. I think getting hacked, uh, sometimes it's not even a question of if, it's a question of when. Uh, One of my first online course websites, WordPress website, got hacked. And, uh, you know, there was some kind of code that somehow got in there. And it was actually kind of smart. If I was logged into the site as a WordPress administrator, I couldn't tell it was there. But And even people on computers couldn't tell it was there. But if you were on a mobile phone, and you went to my website, it would uh, redirect you to some app, something for sale in the app store. Right. So it was just like a, a click jacking, if you will, is what we call it. And yeah. that's just to take a specific set of users that you want, for instance, in that case, to make app sales or you know free downloads for the app so they can make money off the ads. Um, it's just to redirect those users away. So I would make a payload, for instance, for iOS and um, you know for any other cell phone operating system. Um, and then I would redirect users based upon that. Every time you surf a website, your information is given out. What you're using, what version, all that good stuff. So what, like, where do you start? Like, what's the first place to start with like, okay, I want more security. What do I, where do I start? Is it with hosting? Is it with other plugins? What do I do? So what I would start with is the hosting company itself. You obviously want a reputable company. Um, and, and with that, you want to make sure you're keeping your own backups. You can't always trust the company to actually keep and store your backups. Things happen. Backups get lost all the time. Um, so you want to make sure you choose a good host. For, for instance, you're using WordPress um, for the Lifter LMS, right? right. And uh, I use the same thing. So what I wanted was a reliable host, and there's tons of them out there, big name guys. I used to have a hosting company back in 2002. I know a lot of these guys started around the same time I did. So I, I know where they're at, but the point is, is that they can't all offer really good security. And so the host I personally use is WP Engine. And I think that, you know, in my research, they're 
one of the best. They offer good security, backups, um, live sites. I mean, they, they do all sorts of good stuff. So the next thing you want to start with there, and, and this is probably more logic than anything, is not to use a common email that you use every day for regular communications for your site admin email. Make it an email that you don't use anywhere else specific, but specifically for that. And that helps because if I was able to get your email address, and I know your website, and I want to break into it, the very first thing I'm going to do is pop that into what we call Brute Forcer, which just really tries username and password combinations over and over again until it gets the right one. And I'm going to try a password list. I have one that I created for 1.2 million unique passwords myself. And I would break into your website and then do what I had to do. So don't use your regular email. That's number one. Um, two, there's a lot of plugins for like WordPress. And, and I, you know, I guess this conversation is going to go more towards WordPress because that's what we're all using. Um, like, uh, for instance, uh, WordFence. WordFence is a really super good plugin for all types of security. It offers firewalls, spam scanning, uh, malware scanning. If somebody did break into your website, it scans the site for your users so it could pick up common attacks, things like that. Uh, also, there's a plugin. I can't remember. I think it's made by Huge IT is what it's called, the company. And uh, they make a login redirector. So usually what happens is when you set up a, um, like a brute force type deal, you would go to the WordPress login. And that's pretty common because it's the same on every single website. And you set your attack up to go to that URL and guess those usernames and passwords. However, the huge IT um, thing has a pro version and a free version. Free version works pretty good too, but it really just creates like a pop-up if you will. So it's harder to attack a pop-up because it's not an actual URL. So that's some of the common things you could do there. And again, the host is key. Uh, you should have SSL on your websites. If you're collecting any information, even if users are registering for a free account or logging in or giving you any information whatsoever, you should definitely, definitely have SSL. And it's let, free. Me, let me ask you some questions around that. Sure. Uh, a secure shell certificate is that what it stands for? What? Uh, secure socket layer, yeah. SSL. Oh, there we go. There we go. Yep. Um, what does it actually do? Like, how, what does it do? So when you communicate on the web, you're sending out packets. And think of a packet as like a pill, right? And in, inside the pill, you have what's the payload there. It's like the medicine, right? So you have the outer shell of that. So what SSL does is, is basically the outer shell to the critical information that's inside. And so it encrypts the... Um, communication between you and a server. So when you're sending your stuff over, it's encrypted by like 128-bit uh, SSL certificates. And there's a public and private key. I mean, there's a lot of technical stuff that goes on behind the scenes. Um, but really what it does is it encrypts the session or the, the line between you and the website. So any information you send or the website sends back is in that encrypted tunnel or in that pill. Right. So for example, like your, uh, your students in your online course website, when they're typing in their your username and password that's communicating with your server right correct so, so the SSL is like you're actually protecting your students exactly addresses and passwords and things like that right and all their personal information so like for me I send out some gifts to my students when they first enroll depending on what they enroll in and so on and so forth uh, and I collect their mailing addresses a lot of people don't put their right mailing addresses but nonetheless uh, the, the users that are serious that put in their real address, I want to protect that information. I don't want to give that out to anybody that may be eavesdropping. And it doesn't have to be anybody eavesdropping on the website's end. Their computer could be compromised from somewhere else, you know, a suspicious download or a crazy email or something. Um, their computer could be giving up the information, not necessarily our website. So I want to make sure that no matter what, both of us are protected. So we create that encryption. That's awesome. 
that's awesome. And I've I've heard of a you know a simpler plugin than WordFence called Limit Login Attempts, which all that does is, I mean, WordFence does a lot of things, and I've used it right. a lot too. But Limit Login Attempts just helps with that brute force situation where right. can only forget their password like three times and they get locked out for like exactly and, and what that does is ban it by ip address so even that said that's not even really safe anymore because you have things like vpns and proxies uh tor was an infamous proxy um that used to switch your your ip address or your proxy fake ip address every so often so if i was a brute forcer and i'm using tor to do that all i gotta do is shut tor off start it back up fire the attempts again and of course, I have a new IP address and I can keep hammering the system. You also don't want to set that threshold too low. So if you set it at like three, now the user locked out, blocked by their IP address. They can't really just change their IP address. Now there's support tickets and chaos. So you have to find that happy medium of the threshold to set it for a lockout. Yeah, that's a good point. And uh, I like what you were saying too, where <clears throat> uh, sometimes things are just obvious. Like if I'm going to a website and I'm like, hey, I wonder if that's a WordPress website. I actually just add wp-admin to the end. I'm like, oh, there's right. the login window. Right. WordPress <laughs> used to, uh, they used to create the first user account with the username admin. So, okay. Right. Now all I have to guess is the password. <laughs> so exactly. It's, <laughs> it was uh, pretty easy. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean, security is something that keeps evolving. Sure. Uh, and it's always just worth, you know, looking at. But what about... Um, Let's talk about e-commerce a little bit. Help me understand this sure. issue with, like with Lyft or LMS, if you sell credit card with credit card, you know, you have, you, there's a screen powered by Stripe, a little part of the checkout screen. And then, but Stripe is actually handling the PCI compliance or whatever. Me as the right. site owner, if, on my website and in my Stripe account, I can only ever see the last four digits of the credit card number or whatever. Right. So, and, and we're used to that when we call somewhere and they're, they're like, hey, what are the last four of your credit card? There's some, like, there's some security checks in place there. But sure. if I'm selling credit card, you know, accepting credit cards on my website, am I, is, am I good with Stripe and an SSL certificate? Is there anything else I need to think about there? No, you're pretty good because Stripe themselves has to self-regulate. Uh, according to PCI DSS compliancy, like you said, and that's a very strict compliancy. They have to meet it a certain amount of months. I think it's now three months, every three months, every quarter. Um, but they have to have their own set of security there. They're, first of all, they have to have SSL. That's number one primary before they ever get their certificate to be able to do any kind of credit card transactions. Uh, two, when they're storing the user's information, credit cards, so on and so forth, it has to be encrypted. So you have the point-to-point -point encryption, which is the SSL. And then when it's stored on the server, you have to have security at rest. So there's strong encryption there to encrypt the actual databases where the credit card uh, information is stored. It's not impenetrable. I mean, it happens all the time. You see whatever bank gets hacked, whatever credit card company gets hacked, and the things are leaked. Ashley Madison, uh, the whole nightmare that went down there uh, with all those poor guys that lost their credit cards and their personal information and everything else. Um, it's just a common occurrence. But you're safe as a, as a teacher, as a, as a course provider. Um, because you're offering the best encryption you can from them to you. And then from you to Stripe, that's handled on Stripe's end. Stripe has to create that that encryption tunnel. So um, users really are secure in that way. It's not impossible, like I said, to interrupt that that transmission. There are ways to do it, but it's not something that's going to happen every single day. I got gotcha. you. 
Okay. Well, also, since I have the expert on the line here, I wanted to, I've heard of like uh, SQL injections or whatever. So anywhere there's like a form, like right. a comment on a blog post or, you know, a contact form, um, a hacker can insert malicious code through those areas where they can input stuff sometimes. Like, can you tell us a sure. little bit about how that all works? So uh, SQL injections or SQLI uh, is, is basically where whenever you create a website that has any kind of interactivity to it, you know, you click a button, you go to a different link, you fill in a form, all that stuff has to be stored somewhere. And SQL is basically a database where it stores that information. So when code's written improperly, um, it allows users or malicious users, I should say, to actually inject malicious code into that to trick the database server to giving up the information to unprivileged users. So when you create a database connection, you're saying this username, this password has access to change, modify, update, whatever tables inside this database or retrieve that information also. Um, but when I trick it to do it, it's because the code doesn't properly sanitize my input. So I can like, for instance, if you ever notice you go into a webpage that says like www.somesite.com, uh, question mark, um, you know, PHP or index.php question mark ID equals and then a number that's very susceptible sometimes to uh, a simple attack. So if you put an apostrophe there, you can see that it returns an error. And when it returns an error, you can say, okay, this is susceptible to SQL injection. You can go further. It's just, it doesn't properly sanitize that extra character that I put in. So it gives up that information. So with that being said, once I'm able to do that and figure out that there's some errors there, that it's not properly sanitized, I can drop the entire database table. I can get usernames, passwords, credit card numbers, social security numbers, everything. And that's how a lot of these big hacks actually work. And is that scraping? Is that what that's called? If you like, let's say you want to get all the emails or credit cards out of something, what's scraping? Well, scraping is, is a tool or sometimes people actually, before there was tools, we used to do it manually, go in and view the source code of a website and, and do searches for like, you know, whatever email addresses or, you know, usernames, passwords, things like that. Scraping is basically a tool that goes to the website, does the same thing, opens it up almost in a text editor, if you will, and pulls down any kind of information that you want it to get. So for instance, any email addresses that are listed on a website for support for um, a lot of websites, for whatever reason, still have like, uh, you know, directories of employees. I don't know why with yeah. email addresses and telephone numbers and all this good stuff. So if I wanted to like, for instance, do a spoofing attack, I'd go scrape the website, get all the email addresses. Now I have the email addresses. I could either try to break into their emails or fake an email to somebody else in the company from somebody else in the company and get them to open a file. And then I'm into their company and that's it. It's over. Um, so a scraper is really just going to the website, pulling the information down and having that information available to you for whatever use. Gotcha. Well, let's talk about another area that is always, I've always wanted a deeper understanding on, especially with WordPress sites is where does all that spam come from? I mean, is that really a security <laughs> thing or are those bots that like, well, leaving comments that have nothing to do with the blog post? Where, what is that? Well, so I usually recommend using plugins that uh, would use reCAPTCHA, which is Google's idea of trying to defeat these robots or spam bots. And the, the comment spam comes from, just being somebody smart enough to be able to write code to find a comment section, input the correct fields, and then hit post. Really, every time you hit a button to post a comment, it's just a, it's just a data packet. That's all it is. It's a post or a get or something like that in the HTTP protocol. And it's pretty simple to actually make those things. I mean, that's why I, I think that WordPress should just roll out with reCAPTCHA right off the bat. Right. <laughs> like, you, know, you know what I mean? It's so common now. 
Yeah, there's no there's no reason to get up to like 500 comments pending in the right. interface. I mean, I agree with you that they should just at least have it turned on by default. Right, and 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 the thing with comment spam is if it's you know SQL injections are not the only thing you can do with forms. I can do JavaScript injections, um, which call remote code injections, and I can actually upload or post a comment that looks like a normal comment. Hello, everyone. Welcome to whatever. And inside that hidden is a payload that will steal your cookies, your login information, redirect you, whatever, download a file to your computer, whatever. So it's pretty important to have that too, because there's a lot of people that create those bots that go out and look for vulnerable forums to post that kind of code into. And that's how they create botnets is basically taking over one computer to take over a hundred computers to take over a thousand computers and so on and so forth. And that's sort of like the concept of a worm, right? What's a worm? So a worm basically replicates through a network. And it's, it used to be where it's like a user got something and say if there's 10 computers on the network, the worm would actually be intelligent enough to try to search out these other computers, see if there's any open shares. You know, everybody shares files across the network and replicate itself to those shares and then execute itself. So then it would take over all 10 of those computers and use those 10 computers for whatever it was, distributed computing, compiling code, trying to hack other people. And now that's really turned into botnets, as we all know, we see on the news, you know, uh, the hacker group anonymous, um, you know, there's, they're so infamous for DOS attacks or denial of service attacks. And that's how they do it. They don't necessarily just use one tool um, because it's easily preventable. So they'll use, you know, 10,000 computers that they have at their, their will by one program to command them all to attack something. Yeah, uh, back in our agency days, we we were helping clients who sometimes were suffering from a DDoS attack, which right. is like, a, it's a lot of fake traffic that it's too much traffic and it causes the websites to crash. Right. But what, so what caused it? Like, what is somebody, how does that happen and how are you supposed to fix it? So like you're talking about like a worm attack or something or? Or just like a denial of service. Like my site keeps going down. There's all this fake traffic. What do I do? So there's a great great company called Cloudflare. And what they do is actually content filtering. And what they'll do is mitigation of those attacks. So like you said, the attacks work by a DDoS stands for distributed denial of service attack, meaning there's multiple computers all over the world attacking one website server, what have you. So what Cloudflare does is actually redirect that bad traffic away. So it doesn't really necessarily shut down your website. They have what's called a CDN, which is a content delivery network. So they spread your site around multiple servers. You know, Google and Yahoo and all the big companies have been using that for almost de a decade now. Um, and now Cloudflare actually does it for free, pretty much, I think. Um, so it, 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 that's the only way to really mitigate that. Back in the day, I used to write custom scripts on my servers in a the, in the server company to actually deal with that. I would set a threshold to say, you know, if there's five connections from the same IP, take that IP address and send it to FBI.gov. Let them go attack FBI.gov and get arrested. <laughs> right. So, um, you know, there was ways to do that, but now it's more efficient. Cloudflare is just awesome. Um, there's other companies like that, like GoDaddy has their own little thing that they do there, but I'm pretty sure they use Cloudflare as their backend anyway. Uh, it's all DNS mitigation now. Gotcha. And, uh, we use uh, WP Engine ourselves too for all our sites and, um, you know, we're really happy with it. And I, I know there's also, um, if you do get hacked, like what's somebody supposed to do? Like where do they turn to to trust? And I can just share in my experience, when I first got hacked, the story I was telling earlier, that's when I became a customer of a company called Security, and they cleaned up the hack and then they, I paid for uh, extended like firewall service and monitoring. And sure. uh, I had a great experience with security. 
but where where sh- where should people go like how do they know where to go if all of a sudden there are sites redirecting or they're getting weird ads or you know things appear to not some they might be hacked what should they do sure so the very first thing that I would do is shut down the website immediately because you don't want anybody else getting infected. You certainly don't want to get it wor- getting worse and you definitely don't want to ruin your reputation, especially if you're a popular site. Um, then what I would do is, again, backups are key. Restore your backup, change your password because it's possible that they broke your password and that's how they got in. Change your FTP password, which is where you upload your files to. Change your any kind of control panels, backend, admin logins, change all those passwords. Password security is key here. So what I've noticed with Lyft or LMS is from default, it makes you use a secure password, which I love that. I do. That's, um, a, that's a public service that we do that some people don't like and that they immediately awesome. send it to week, but we're trying no, that's to be awesome. citizens of the internet here. Yeah. And that's awesome because, you know, it doesn't take just your admin account to be hacked. It could be a user's account. It could be anything. Um, anybody that has any kind of right access on the website. So really what you want to do is shut down the website immediately change your password to your FTP first because that maybe that's how they got in. They cracked your FTP username and password. Change that password first. Change any of your control panel passwords. Restore a backup and figure out where the hack came from. So there's various sites out there. I'm sure you can do a Google search for them that will actually scan your website for malicious code. Uh, again, WordPress engine um, is pretty good at protecting against that stuff. And also, uh, WordFence is pretty good at protecting that. So maybe you have an outdated plugin. Maybe... It was some code that wasn't written correctly and allowed a remote injection or some sort of, you know, payload upload or something like that. So very first thing is always keep a current backup. I like to make backups every day. I'm just crazy like that. Um, But just in case something does happen, I'm not, you know, a guy that wouldn't get hacked. I'm sure at some point it might happen. Hasn't happened yet. Thank God. (laughs) But um, it's anybody's, anybody's vulnerable. I mean, the NSA gets hacked for God's sake. So (laughs) they have millions of people working to protect their security and they get hacked by six-year-old kids in Indonesia. Right. <laughs> so, no, it's, right. there's nothing you can do to prevent it. Truly, there's nothing you can do besides not be on the internet. But uh, really, that's the first step I would do is to m- make sure you and then change your passwords and restore your backup. That makes sense. And yeah, backups are really important and some people overlook it, but if, especially if it's your main business or you spend a lot of time building it up. Yeah. Um, you know what you you should have a good web hosting company that's doing automated backups right you should have a copy locally like on your computer i mean download yeah. download it or put it on a hard drive or something and then if you want to get really crazy about it download it put it on a hard drive and then keep it in a different location in case your house burns down i mean you can sure. go you can go you can to go the, really crazy but you if you're really if you're making a lot of money off your platform you should treat Invest it with, with uh, insurance policy like that. Sure, sure. You definitely invest in it. I mean, listen, we don't do a million dollars a year in my course. I mean, we're still getting traction here and getting going. Um, but the thing is, I like to invest in, in any kind of ventures that I have a vested interest in, you know, whether it's financial or time or labor or whatever. And so, you know, I was going back and forth between a, between a cheaper web host, hosting it myself, or somebody that's going to do it for me, and it's just done. You know, if I have a problem, I go, hey, man, I got a problem. Can you fix it? Yes or no? And that's it. I don't have to worry about the nuances of, you know, fixing it and worrying about it and all that stuff. So they, uh, WordPress engine does automatic backups, which I think is awesome, even for the lowest level plan. So you really can't beat that, but, but backups are definitely key. Yeah. Yeah. WP engine is, uh, I think they're for one site plan is like $30 a month, which is more than like the $10 a month, uh, shared 
hosting plan starting point that a lot of people start with. But the peace of mind that comes with some of their security measures, backup system, a staging environment for testing stuff. I mean, it's it's worth it. You'll end up paying eventually uh, for other services or whatever. Right. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about the difference between web security and personal security. So where does the internet stop and where does personal security begin? Like, what do you mean by that? Well, so you could have the most secure website in the entire world um, where it's password protected, encrypted. I mean, you could have all the bells and whistles that we spoke about and, and then some, and it still may not be good enough. So here's the thing. You, everything comes back to you in the end. You have to have some sort of personal responsibility for your users, security, students, security, what have you. And that starts with your own personal security. So again, there's no way to protect you 110% besides not being on the internet. I know I keep saying that, but it's, that's the truth. That's the reality. Um, the thing is your personal security is key. So if you're not really like Windows is very susceptible to hacks and attacks and viruses and malware and all sorts of bad stuff. If if your system's compromised, it doesn't matter how good your your website security is. If you log into your website, there's a possibility there's a keylogger which captures your keystrokes on your keyboard um, on there, and it sends it to the hacker. So now the hacker doesn't have to do anything; they just have to log into your website. Um, and and usually you get those kind of infections by downloading you know files. I, I know I used to be when I was in IT repair, viruses were my key business. I charge a hundred bucks per virus removal. It would take me fifteen minutes to an hour. And it, these were repeat customers like every week. It was like a, like a bad drug habit that these people had. Just they wanted to download everything, every little pop-up that came download now. Okay, great. You know, run it. Sure. <laughs> you know, so, um, you know, email attachments. That was huge. Oh, so Johnny sending me a document. Let's open it up. So it, it was just, it was just crazy. And, and, and the problem is that that's really considered what we call social engineering, right? So I'm tricking you as a user whether I'm spoofing email addresses or, you know, sending you questionable information and you just don't know any better. And I take advantage of the human element and I trick you into downloading something, clicking on a link, what have you. And now I take hold of your computer and everything that your computer does from there on out, I take over that. So even SSL is not going to save you in that way because SSL starts when you actually send the information. So when you're typing it in there, you could be typing into a secure form, but if I have a keylogger in your machine, I'm capturing those keystrokes before they even leave the computer to on the website. So again, personal security is key. You have to have a good antivirus. That's first and foremost. There's a lot of free ones out there, which are, which are really good. Um, your firewall and windows should stay on. You don't want anybody, you know, jacking up your system there. Um, and, and you should just use some common sense. Don't download everything on the internet. <laughs> I promise you it'll still be there tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, make sure your email attachments are really coming from the people they say they're going to come from. Don't click on links and emails. It's, it's another common way people get infected with all sorts of good stuff. Um, and that's, that's kind of it. Yeah, you have to just have some logic behind using a computer these days. Yeah. And the, and the reality is it's just out there like Facebook. Uh, you see all the time where some, we're almost getting comfortable with it as a society. Right. Like, Oh, hey, ignore all that. Somebody, my Facebook account got hacked. I'm like, right. oh, that's why you sent me all these like airline ticket deal sites. <laughs> and some discounts on some Ray-Ban sunglasses and I haven't heard right. you in like two years. Right, exactly. So, so we're getting comfortable with it. But if you're going to put, you're going to be on the web, you know, you have to get comfortable for, with the realities around that, around information and security. Sure. And we're not trying to scare anybody, but, you know, talking about like, your actual machine, your laptop itself is important to take that new equation. Like, 
Um, some of the things that I see that some people who are, you know, the most concerned about security or paranoid about it or whatever, like they put a piece of tape over their camera. So like somebody can right. actually like hack your camera. Is that right? Yeah, it actually, I, I do the same thing. To be honest with you, I turn my camera off in the computer and I still put a piece of tape over it because realistically, you know, I don't want anybody seeing what I'm up to in here. So if I'm like typing away and working on something or if I'm having a conversation, even the, the microphone inside the keyboard or my microphone here can be turned on and anybody can be listening to you. So if you're worried about it, turn it off, unplug it, uh, put a piece of tape over it. Um, you know, my microphone, like I said, I am, I'm, I'm a little paranoid myself because I know what can actually be done. So not that I have anything to hide. It's just, I'd rather not have the availability for somebody to listen in on a conversation. So for instance, if I'm talking with my wife about bank accounts or bank numbers or something, credit card, I'm on the phone giving somebody a credit card number or something. I don't want anybody hearing that potentially. So mm-hmm it's, it's all due diligence to yourself. You know, you got to have some sort of self responsibility, not to make people scared. Like you said, we're, Oh my God, hide the laptop underneath the mattress or in the safe or something every night. <laughs> yeah. But the point is, is that try to take care of yourself because there's no one piece of software or hardware or any kind of security whatsoever. That's going to cure the human element. We're vulnerable as people. That's just the way it is. We're very trusting in, in nature. So people abuse that power. Like you said, with the Facebook stuff, so like, you know, Tom Jones is on your friends list. You haven't spoke to him in a couple of years, but you see him and you want to follow up with him and, you know, see what's happening in his life. Tom Jones says, oh, see how many people viewed my profile today? Sure. And then it says, big stupid button, log in with your Facebook account. Oh, that's easy. They click the button and then now they just gave their username and password away. So yeah. it's a no brainer that their account's now used for spamming purposes and try to grow whatever it is that the spammer's after. It's just the way it is. <laughs> you have to use some due diligence. I always yell at my wife on the, on the tablet. Don't click anything on Facebook. Just don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) Stay away from my laptop for sure. And whatever you're doing on your stuff, just don't click anything. Don't sign in with anything. Just, just stop. If you have a question, ask me. (laughs) Yeah. And and while we're talking about personal security, one of the other things I just wanted to bring up, like if you're kind of doing a security audit of your online course business or whatever, you probably, you probably, when you set up your Stripe account or whatever, uh, you know, I recommend treating your business even like a business, even if it's from your laptop, from home or kitchen table or whatever. Uh, so you probably set up a bank account for your business and you connected your the Stripe account to your online course business website or uh, bank account. Um, but also like your personal information, like your business name, uh, you know, you don't have to make that your home address. You can get a... Um, PO box or UPS store box or, or one of these, you know, whenever you see sweet, whatever, those are like right. business mailbox services. So if you want to maintain a degree of privacy, uh, you know, at all levels, there's always like another step up that you can take if you're, if you want to take that kind of stuff into account. Sure. Like, so the thing for me is I teach cybersecurity, right? So a lot of my students are just, they just want to hack something. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and a good portion of that sign up want to be jerks too. You know, they just, they, they probably already know some stuff and they just want to get at me because, you know, my popularity on the internet with the network security, the YouTube channel and everything else. And it's just common ground for guys like me. I mean, a lot of guys in my industry have this happen to them all the time. They do a couple of talks. They do some conferences with other hackers, you know, they're at the conference and, and you have somebody that just has it out for you for whatever reason. You know, I, I hacked the big guy. You know, everybody mm-hmm. used to be after Kevin Mitnick, a good friend of mine, um, one of the world's most known hackers ever. Um, 
and and that's just the nature of the beast so like from what you were saying with the po boxes and stuff like that keep your personal information guarded none of my personal information is online it's just not not, i don't even use my real last name (laughs) that's that's how serious you have to be because there's there's people when you when you get to a certain level of whatever it is you're doing there's people that want to ruin it for you and they just want to harass you and send crap to your house or just be jerks so try to Treat it as a real business, like you said, and and keep everything separate from your personal life. And just make sure that your mailing address is not your house. If you're worried about that, make sure uh, your bank account's a business bank account and you shouldn't have any problems. I heard of one more that I just wanted to ask you about while we've got you on the line about personal security where like if you have a phone, um, you know, smartphone or your laptop's in a bag, People sure. can like wear these like devices that literally like pull data from other devices as they walk by you or something like that. Can yes. you tell? So, I, again, we're not trying to scare anybody. I'm just trying to raise some public awareness about security out there. So. Sure. So, so yes, there is, um, it's referred to commonly as RFID, which is what uh, credit cards use and things like that um, to give out your information. My X-Stripe readers, things like that. So, uh, even Bluetooth enabled cell phones. You know, everybody's walking around with a smartphone, like you said. I can hack your Bluetooth and take your contacts, anything you have in your phone, anything you saved inside your phone, pictures, emails. The, the list is really endless. So, here I have my old cell phone here, it's just an old HTC, and I've reprogrammed this to actually do the same kinds of things. Here's my new phone, it's an iPhone. Doesn't matter that they're two different operating systems, it just doesn't matter. So, if you're walking by and you got Bluetooth on this deal, and I walk by like this and I crack your Bluetooth key and I can steal all your information, download to the phone. You never know. So if, for instance, I live in New York. So if I'm in the city and I'm walking down a street, I just hold this right. Like I'm looking at a cell phone, like every other dummy that's walking down the street. And really I'm collecting everybody's information. It's just the nature of the beast. The technology is, is a double-edged sword. It's a good thing because we get to do a lot of cool stuff, you know, science and technology and stuff, but it's also a bad thing because everybody puts all their stuff out there. Everybody does. Yeah. <laughs> Companies, regular people, everybody, everybody does it. Right. Well, tell us about your course, Sean. Like, who's it for and, like, what, who's, a, who's it a good fit for? And, you know, is this a good career for, for people? Uh, you know, like, what kind of people is it good for? What, who are you trying to help and what's your dent you're putting in the universe with the, your online course? Sure. So, for me, I... I I offer a different way of teaching than most other people. And that's what I've been told on my YouTube channel and everything like that. So that's why I keep progressing with this, this idea that I have. Um, it's really for anybody. So if you want to make a career change, you know, I've got a lot of people that were stockbrokers. I've got a lot of people that were bankers or people that were just factory workers, people that were in the military and have nothing to do when they come out. They sign up for my courses. I even have people that are in IT that are just looking to change in a different direction in, and stay in the same relative field that sign up for the courses. And I teach them from complete beginner. I mean, I could teach you, you know, in 30 days or less, how to become uh, able to do a penetration test. So the goal for me is to have more people that are on the good guy side than the bad guy side, because the bad guys are always 10 steps ahead of us, no matter what we do, how smart we are, how many people we are. So the idea is to grow the cybersecurity community. And the problem is that School is very expensive. I've paid 16,000 bucks for six months of, of schooling. Uh, and then you have other online courses that are 5,000 bucks for boot camp, and, and you don't really learn much. They assume that you know a lot already. So I fit somewhere in the middle, and I, I help people in an affordable fee 
to be able to progress into a career into cybersecurity. And you don't really have to know anything when you sign up for my courses. So I'm trying to make the world a safer place by putting more good guys out there than bad guys, like I said. That's awesome. Well, what's the, what's the name of the course and, and your website and where can people find out more about you if they want to connect with you on YouTube or social media or, or anything? Sure. So it's a pentesteruniversity.org. That's the website. And we have one course up there right now that I'm in the process of completing to upload the content, which is uh, penetration testing for beginners. And then we'll have an inter intermediate and an advanced course. Uh, and then we're going to have Linux courses and web security courses and all sorts of good stuff up there, uh, continuing on from our old platform. And if anybody wants to reach me, they can go to the website, reach me there. There's a contact us form, a secure contact us form. Um, and uh, my, my YouTube channel is NetSec now. It's N-E-T-S-E-C-N-O-W. And uh, that's where I got 35,000 guys so far up there. And uh, feel free to reach out to me anytime. If you have any questions or anything, just contact me. I'll be happy to help you. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on the show, Sean. And I really appreciate you sharing your experience and helping us all level up our game when it comes to security. So thank Great. you. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me and thanks for the good work on Lifter.